Welcome to the Kung Fu Mama Show. Today we have a very important guest. This is Leah Carey. She is a sex and intimacy coach and the host of Good Girls Talk About Sex. Yeah. I'm so excited <laughs> to get down to it and see what we what um, Leah has to say. So, um, right now... Many mothers of young children struggle with low libido and maybe they're trying to actually fix a different problem. Perhaps. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So first of all, thank you for having me today. I'm thrilled to be talking with you. Um, I, oh, go ahead. <laughs> I'm just so thrilled to have you. So please <laughs> enlighten us. So I talk to a lot of moms of young children. Um, I, I sometimes trip over myself and say young moms, which is not necessarily always the same thing, but moms of young children mm -hmm. who say, you know, my libido never came back. Um, maybe they had it during pregnancy or maybe it went away during pregnancy as well. But I've had my child, my child is maybe you know, two, three, four years old, and my libido still hasn't returned, what's wrong with me? Mm -hmm. and the answer to that question is absolutely nothing. <laughs> so first of all, the, the very first most important thing is to know that there is not a problem here to be solved. Mm -hmm. It's not like your body is doing something unusual. What's going on is that when we are with a partner, mm -hmm. doesn't matter what the genders are, um, doesn't matter what the situation is, but when we're with a partner and it's just the two of us, we have lots of time and attention and energy to give to the partner. And our partner comes to expect that. That's mm -hmm. part of the relationship. Mm -hmm. And then the body goes through this incredibly intense process. You are growing a human. <laughs> like this is not just, you know, your every day I'm making a sandwich. This is, this is a lot. And so your body goes through all these changes, physical changes, hormonal changes, et cetera. So some people during pregnancy have a real increase in their libido because all their hormones are running. Some people have a significant decrease in their libido because their body is changing and, oh my goodness, how, how do I deal with this? Some people, it stays the same. All of those things are perfectly natural, normal, common. Mm -hmm. And I think that a lot of people when they're pregnant are less concerned. They're like, oh, well, this is a thing. My body's growing a human. <laughs> so right. it's okay if I, you know, if I feel a little differently, but then they expect because the doctors say like, oh, wait about six weeks before you have sex. And yes. so they think, oh, well in six weeks, my body's going to be back to normal. First of all, that's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, right? What is up with the standards here? You spent nine months growing the baby. Yeah. Hello. What's the, and, exactly? You're supposed to be fine in six weeks. Okay, I don't know about that. And, and those—that's sort of the standard thing that people say. But a lot of women have birth trauma. 
So there's physical or emotional stuff that needs to be worked through. A lot of people are still dealing with hormonal shifts. And then there's the part where you are actually parenting this little tiny human. Mm -hmm. You know, I joke that when you have a baby, you have a tyrant running your household (laughs) (laughs) and that tyrant does not know anything about sleep schedules or eating schedules. They just want what they want when they want it. Mm -hmm. And so now all of this energy and attention that you used to be able to spend on your partner is being spent on this tiny tyrant. Mm -hmm. And it's exactly, hopefully, it's exactly what you want to be doing. But it means that your your time and your attention has shifted. Mm As, and maybe you're breastfeeding. Right. Maybe as that child grows into a toddler, they're probably using your body as a jungle gym. (laughs) you are putting out a ton of energy to Mm. this little human. Right. Right. That is energy that used to go to your partner. Mm -hmm. And so now you're thinking, why don't I want to have sex? And your partner is thinking, why isn't she interested in me anymore? Mm -hmm. It's because the, the dynamics have shifted. Mm -hmm. Very often, those of us who were brought up as little girls, who were Mm -hmm. socialized to be young women, were taught that our primary purpose in life is to take care of everyone else's needs, to put our own needs second or third or fourth, wherever Mm -hmm. they go on the priority list, it's lower. We were taught to not really ask for what we need. Mm-hmm. So even in that pre-pregnancy time, a lot of our sex, this is not going to be true for everyone, but for many women, mm-hmm. a lot of our sex is about pleasing our partner. Mm-hmm. It's about taking care of our partner's needs, making sure that they have an orgasm, making sure that they are physically and emotionally taken care of and nurtured. Mm-hmm. It it takes a lot of self-awareness to make yourself part of that equation. Mm-hmm. And we're talking pre-pregnancy now. We're talking, it's just the two of you. Right. So it's hard. I speak with so many women who they say to me, like, I, I want to have a better sex life and I want my partner to do different things because what we're doing isn't really working for me. And I say, great, what do you want them to do? And they say, oh, I have no idea. Mm-hmm. I just know I want something different because we've never learned that it's okay for us to know what we want mm-hmm. and to ask for it. How do, so, how do you deal mm-hmm. with that? Or um, if someone comes to you something yeah. with that kind of a question, how do you ask your partner for what, what you want? Or if they say they don't know what they want, yeah. how do they ask for more? So the first question is always, what do you want? You can't mm-hmm. ask for something when you don't know what it is. Right. So the first question is always going to be, what do you want? And many, many people can't answer. And that is not a gendered thing. Mm-hmm. 
men are have just as hard a time answering it. If they're not talking about penetrative intercourse, men have a hard time answering what they want as well. Mm. Um, it's just not something we were ever taught that it was okay to think about. And so I recommend that people start paying attention to the books they're reading. What turns you on when you read it? Oh. What are the scenes in television or movies that turn you on that you get like, Ooh, that feeling, you know, <laughs> um, if you have sexy dreams, what are you dreaming about? Mm -hmm. If you fantasize, what are you fantasizing about? These are all really great indicators for the things that you might want to explore in your own life. Mm -hmm. um, so that's really the first step mm -hmm. in asking for what you want is knowing what you want. Mm -hmm. So what about yeah. for, uh, if you apply this to say new mothers, yeah. Um, but you know, they might not know what they want, but they're not actually having any sex at that right. point. They, right. Because they think they don't want sex. This is the conversation that happens so much, right? Okay. Is that the the let's assume it's a heterosexual couple. The father mm -hmm. says, Come on, baby, it's been six weeks. We can have sex again. Right. And mom says, I am not ready. I right. don't want any part of this yet. Right. And we tend to think that that is the problem of the woman, that she has a decreased libido and therefore there's something that needs to change with her. When in fact, what's going on is she is putting all of her energy out to this baby. I see. She doesn't have any more energy to put out. Mm -hmm. She needs energy to come in. So when I talk with women who are in this situation mm -hmm. and they say, I just don't want him to touch me. Mm -hmm. And I said, is that really true? Is it true that you don't want him to touch you? And they almost to a person say, no, I want him to touch me. Mm -hmm. I just need him to touch me differently. Okay. I want gentle, nurturing touch. I want sensual, non-sexual touch. Mm. I want cuddling. I want stroking. I don't want hardcore banging, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but because we don't have the words for this, mm -hmm. it all gets translated into, I have a low libido. Right. And there's right. something wrong with me that needs to be fixed. No, we just need to work with your energy system where it is. If your energy is, I need nurturing touch. There is virtually no way you're going to get turned on for an evening of penetrative intercourse without getting that need for nurturing touch taken care of first. Right. Right. Does that make sense? That does make sense. That does make sense. Mm -hmm. And that's definitely a, um, a communication. And I think maybe an awareness for male yeah. partners. Absolutely. There, of new mothers. Yeah, I would say most people who, you know, have not thought about this a lot would probably say that that sex is about 10% communic communication and 90% physical. Mm -hmm. I would say sex is 90% communication and 10% physical. Mm. That you can't have that really fulfilling connected kind of sex 
you want to have Mm -hmm. intimacy, nurturing, whatever that is Mm -hmm. for you. It's really hard to have that. If you're not able to communicate to your partner, what that feels like for you, Mm -hmm. what you really need, what you Mm -hmm. really want and desire, what makes you feel fulfilled, what makes you feel loved. Mm -hmm. And what, but in, in Mm -hmm. this situation of a new, new mom, or just a mother of young children, you don't have a lot of time. So mm-hmm. how how do you balance out trying to tell your partner what you want, or even trying to figure out what you want when you've got yeah. you know two little kids or one little kid you know <laughs> running around? Absolutely, yeah. Um, at this point, I would suggest that uh, there needs to be a conversation with a partner, and this. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. This can be a hard conversation to have Mm -hmm. because it sort of goes against our cultural expectations of woman makes man happy by giving him sex, that there needs to be a conversation that says, I am putting all of my energy out toward this baby, Mm -hmm. toward these children. And I don't have the same kind of energy that I used to have to put out to lavish on you. I still want to, I still want to have engagement and connection with you, but I need you to fill my tank Mm -hmm. right now. All of, all of my, everything is going out. I need something coming in Mm -hmm. and the things that you know, it's going to be different for each person, but usually it starts with non-sexual touch, the kind of touch that does not have the expectation of sex at the end of it. Mm -hmm. And here's the thing, a man who is really focused on wanting to have penetrative intercourse will be like, I'm being, you know, she's, she's just never going to want to have sex again. Mm -hmm. It's not true. What happens is that when the woman gets her non-sexual touch needs met, Mm -hmm. then she begins to want sex again, like actual genital play, penetration, all of that. The sexual, whoops, the sexual desire comes Mm -hmm. after getting the non-sexual touch needs met first. Okay. So is this what you call skin hunger or is that something different? So what is skin hunger and how does that play into all this? Yeah, it's so important. So there are a few different names for this skin hunger, touch hunger, touch starvation. Um, and oh, touch starvation. People... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tell me about really all dire, this. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so. This has become a big thing during the time of pandemic when a lot of people were living by themselves um, and didn't have a lot of interaction with other people. We all have a basic touch need. Mm -hmm. Every person's is going to be a little bit different. Some people have a very low touch need. Mm -hmm. Some people like me are, you know, I'm a golden retriever. If you're in a room with me, I want to be touching you. You know, like my touch need is very high, (laughs) but everybody has a different touch need. And that is a really basic necessity for us to feel like we are okay in the world. Mm -hmm. If you think about um, babies, babies have a basic touch need. They need to be held 
for a certain amount of time in order for them to really, for their, for their, literally for their brain to wire correctly. Mm-hmm. And when they don't get the level of touch and holding that they need, they go into something called failure to thrive because literally their brains don't wire their neurons, their, their neural networks don't um, wire up properly. And we sort of think, you know, oh yeah, babies want to be held. Babies need to be held. That's a thing. But then the babies grow up and at some point we're like, oh, they probably don't need that so much anymore. It's not true. Mm -hmm. If you think about, um, you know, there are studies on people who've been in solitary confinement. And while there certainly are a range of issues going on there, one of them is that people begin to look like they're kind of losing their minds because they haven't had any human touch. Right, right. So this is what human, uh, what skin hunger is. If we don't get the amount of touch and skin to skin touch is really best that our particular nervous system needs, we literally begin to mentally and emotionally degrade. Mm-hmm. So let's say mom is paying all of her attention to baby mm-hmm. And is not super interested in sex with dad, dad is going to go into a state of touch deprivation or skin hunger. Mm -hmm. So this kind of nurturing touch that mom really wants in order to sort of feel like her tank is getting filled, dad actually needs it too. He just doesn't know it mm-hmm. because we haven't taught men in our society that this is a thing that they need. Mm-hmm. We teach them to be strong and tough and not need anything. Right. And so like, it becomes a really big tangled ball because everybody has needs that they don't really understand mm-hmm. because because there's so little vocabulary for it. So few people talk about it. Mm -hmm. And then they're looking to fill this dissatisfaction and this lack of fulfillment in ways that aren't actually going to fill it, but that's all they know to ask for. So even when the mom is feeling this low libido and the dad is, is not, so if you do this, what you were talking about, the, the stroking and the nurturing yeah. and all these things to the dad during this time, it'll make, you know, the libido better between both. What? I mean, I can't make any grand generalizations, okay, yeah, you know, totally like right. I can't say that yeah. this is going to help every man, yes, but in general, mm-hmm. if they're getting their touch needs met, it's going to calm their nervous system the mm-hmm. same way it's going to calm mom's nervous system, which by the way, has the benefit of calming baby's nervous system too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's, it's like a, a really positive feedback loop for this nurturing non-sexual touch. Mm -hmm. It's hard for us to communicate to the men who have learned, basically we've given men a really raw deal Mm -hmm. in this culture or in this society. Um, And I can, I live in the United States. So this is what I can speak to is Mm -hmm. is United States culture. Um, That as boys are growing up, 
we teach them over time that it's not okay to hug or touch other little boys because that's quote unquote gay Mm -hmm. and that it's not okay to want that kind of cuddling and touching from mom or dad because that makes them a sissy. Mm -hmm. And so they only know the only kinds of touch that we leave them with as acceptable are aggression in sports or sex. And we only teach boys about penetrative intercourse. We don't teach them about these other kinds of nurturing touch. Whereas little girls, we send them off to to pajama parties where they braid each other's hair and they do each other's nails. And, you know, we do each other's makeup, all of that stuff where we're learning this, this more, this fuller version a vocabulary around touch that we Mm -hmm. don't give to little boys. Mm -hmm. And so as soon as a man who, who has not learned about this, as soon as a man gets a little bit of touch, right. He immediately goes to, Oh, this is sex. Right. I know what this is. Right. This is sex touch. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we you know, as the female in a heterosexual relationship, we need to begin talking about this with the man in ways that hopefully he'll be able to hear Mm -hmm. so that we can sort of retrain their brains, Mm -hmm. not because they're stupid, not because they're selfish, Mm -hmm. not because they've done anything wrong. They literally have not gotten the education and the language they need to -hmm. communicate with us on this level. Mm -hmm. And so it we get to, you know, educate them and retrain their brains to understand that non-sexual touch can actually be a thing that feeds the relationship that, that brings you both back into balance. Mm -hmm. And so you, can you tell me about, um, you have a three minute game Yes. To get you and your partner on the same page about sex. So yeah. can you tell us a little about that? Yeah. So the three minute game is actually the starting place for starting place for all of this, where you and your partner can begin to learn this language together. Mm-hmm. And because it's three minutes, it can be done. It's four. Uh, there are four pieces to it. So there okay. are four three minute chunks. Okay. But you can do them each separately. So if you have toddlers, you can still do this because it's only three minutes at a time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and it, it is an opportunity for the two of you to explore touch that does not lead to sex. Okay. So one partner, let's say mom lays down and dad is sitting next to her and he says, how would you like me to touch you for three minutes? Oh, yeah, right. Like that's a question we almost never ask. And it it may actually be really difficult to answer that question the mm-hmm. first few times you do this because you're so not used to being asked uh-huh. and that's okay. But it can be anything. It can be, I want you to stroke my hair. I want you to cuddle me. I want you to give me a massage, whatever you want. And they are going to do that and only that for three minutes. Mm -hmm. And you literally set a timer on your phone so that you're not lying there wondering, is this going on too long? Am I asking for too much? And he's not wondering, when is this going to end? Like you both know that an alarm is going to go off. So you don't have to worry about that. Mm -hmm. 
And then at the end of three minutes, you switch positions and he lays down and she asks, what kind of touch would you like for three minutes? Now, I highly recommend that before you do this, you set up some boundaries, including Mm -hmm. we're not going to touch genitals during this time. Okay. Maybe we're even going to keep our clothes on, like depending how much safety you want the first time you do it. Mm -hmm. Um, But really allow this to be a non-sexual exercise. It doesn't mean you can't run sexual energy. Like you might feel yourself getting turned on just from, you know, light stroking Mm -hmm. and that's fine, but you're not going to take the next step to go to penetrative intercourse. Okay. This is how we begin to train our brains. Um, And I've got this whole thing written up on my website. People can go to leahcarry.com forward slash three minutes and and it's all there for you um, so that you can actually practice this at home and show your partner the instructions so that they understand exactly what you're doing. Okay. Got it. And then for new moms who I for like we said, you don't get back into shape in, you know, six weeks. Um, how does this whole body image, um, play into this whole issue? It's huge. Your body has just grown a human again. Right. Like I can't stress that enough. Your body has grown a human to expect it to do what a Hollywood actress's body does when she has an extremely regimented diet and, you know, trainers on call and nannies and all of that, it's simply not reasonable. Mm -hmm. But women worry so much about what their body looks like that they then get Mm self-conscious about being seen in the bedroom. Mm -hmm. And that adds this whole other layer to like now, not just is my energy depleted because I'm, I'm spending all of my energy on the baby, Mm -hmm. but I also have this voice in my head that I'm constantly having to listen to saying, you don't look the way you used to. Mm -hmm. He's not going to love you anymore. He's going to go find a younger, thinner model. Um, And that can really mess with you because again, sex is not just hands on body or skin on skin. Sex is what is going on in your head. Mm -hmm. And when I say 90% communication, that is also your communication with yourself. Right. Right. So Um, the communication with yourself, um, how's that translate to your partner? Is it more like this is do you feel this is more just a mental issue for the mom herself Mm. just to accept it? And then, yeah, maybe the father doesn't, he doesn't really care about that. (laughs) So, um, there are a lot of people out in the world who are going to say, Oh, you have to get over this. Like, this is your thing to deal with. It's your body. No one can love you until you love yourself. And I am going to say that is BS. Mm -hmm. Because this is not just our brain that is creating this story. This is an entire cultural narrative Mm -hmm. that's going on that we're buying into. I say, bring your partner into the process with you. Mm -hmm. You can say to your partner, 
well, first of all, if, if you have already expressed doubts about how you look and your partner has said, I, I think you're beautiful. Mm-hmm. I, I'm so amazed at what your body has done. You've created this human. I'm totally in awe. Many women will be like, ah, he's just, you know, I, I don't, I shouldn't believe that he's whatever excuse they make. So first of all, I want to give you permission to believe your partner. Mm-hmm. When your partner says that they are attracted to you, you are allowed to believe them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For sure. Second. Um, if you're having a lot of problems believing them, which I totally understand, I've dealt with body image issues my whole life, um, to one of the things that I have found incredibly useful is to go to my partner and say, I'm having trouble believing you. Hmm. I'm having a lot of self conscious self-confidence issues because my body looks different now than it did a couple of years ago. Yeah. I haven't even had a baby. And I like, this is something that I will say to my partner. I am, mm. you know, COVID has happened. I've been much more sedentary. I've gained weight. I am feeling really self-conscious. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not asking you to fix me. You can't like, you can't make this better for me. I probably won't believe you (laughs) if Mm -hmm. you tell me, you know, if I ask you for reassurance and you give it to me, I'm likely to not believe you. But what I would like you to do, instead Mm -hmm. of just telling me I'm beautiful, what I'd like you to do is, is talk to me about who I am and Mm -hmm. how you see me. Mm -hmm. I want to start seeing myself through your eyes. Mm-hmm. I want to see myself through your eyes of love rather than through my eyes of judgment, because right now I can't get past the judgment. Right. And if you have a partner who is willing and able to engage in that conversation with you, it can be incredibly powerful and healing. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. So can you tell me um, a little bit about why you decided to become a sex intimacy coach and just... <laughs> Yeah. Um, I went into this field because until about five years ago, I was incredibly repressed. Um, I could not talk about sex, couldn't say the word masturbation out loud, um, didn't date much, didn't really have sex, um, except inside committed relationships. Um, And not that I'm saying that's bad, but I was choosing relationships that were um, toxic because that was all I believed that I was worthy of. I grew up in an abusive home where my dad told me that I was fat and ugly and unlovable Mm. and I believed him. And so then I chose relationships that reinforced that belief. And I had a lot of really bad, really painful, really boring sex. Um, and I thought for years, like, oh, I want to go to a sex therapist and figure out what's wrong with me. And then the, the moments, you know, immediately upon that thought came the next one, which was, why would a sex therapist see you? Nobody's going on to want to have sex with you anyway. So why even bother? Oh. Um, 
so I, I come to this work, not from a place of, you know, great sexual openness, but from a place of incredible pain, um, and spending much of my life dreaming and fantasizing about what great sex would feel like and believing that it was not available to me. Mm-hmm. And then I went through a, um, really unexpected sexual awakening, sexual healing in my early forties. And, um, as soon as I started experiencing something different, I was like, everybody needs to know about this. <laughs> you do not look uh, that old, by the way. Oh, <laughs> thank you. In your early and 40s. I, also, okay. um, I, I recently shaved my head um, by choice because, well, for, uh, for a variety of reasons, but one of the things that I've experienced as a result of having shaved my head is the next layer of like dealing with my own vanity because, you know, I had long curly hair. It it was sort of a feature. And now I'm like, Ooh, I got nothing to frame my face and to make this all feel better because I still deal with those image issues. But you look great. It looks great. Well, thank you. But you can't hear it from someone else and just be like, oh, well, okay, everything's better. Mm -hmm. You know, these are deeply ingrained lifetime stories that we're dealing with. I see. So um, can you tell us about the transformation? So what what was this transformative sex experience (laughs) that you had that led you to be a, a, you know, sex intimacy coach now? (laughs) Tell us. Okay, so um, I'll try to give you the Cliff Notes version. Um, I, my mom passed away in 2015. Um, she was my best friend. It was, it was really hard to lose her. Um, but as a result, I had a little bit of money and um, I had been living where she was in Northern New Hampshire, which is very rural um, because because we were very close and I wanted to be near her. Now, suddenly there was no reason for me to be there and I had a little bit of money. So I decided I'm gonna go on this year long adventure. I'm gonna drive solo around the United States and just see what happens. Mm-hmm. And what happened <laughs> was this incredible sexual adventure that I never saw coming. And I joke that if I had known this was what I was going on the road to do, I would have stayed home <laughs> because I would not have believed that I was um, capable of it. I wouldn't have believed I was worthy of it. Um, but I had a conversation with my then therapist right before I left where I said to her, like, I, I feel it was one of those, like, there's 15 minutes left before I never see you again. Are there any last things you want to say? And what I said was, I don't have sensation during sex. Is there anything you can do to help? <laughs> <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. That's a loaded question. <laughs> it's, a, it's a big lot for 15 minutes. And she, God bless her, did not laugh me out of the room. She said, um, you're going on this trip and I, there'll probably be somewhere where you can see a sex therapist and, you know, have a couple of sessions. And that was like, oh, wait, you mean I'm allowed to do that? I didn't know that I was waiting for permission, mm-hmm. but I was. And the, 
what I chose, I figured I've been in and out of therapy all my life. I was like, Mm -hmm. I am done talking. (laughs) I want to do like, I want to do something where I actually learn how to feel because I was, I was literally not having um, a lot of sensation during sex. My body, as soon as energy turned sexual, my body would just shut down. Mm. And, um, so I decided I had heard this term, um, tantric massage. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh, that sounds interesting. Yeah. I wonder what that is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I read that some women, um, who have tantric massage can actually regain sensation. I was like, well, that sounds like what I need. So I, when I was in New York city, um, I was like, well, you can find anything in New York. So, <laughs> so New York. I did <laughs> absolutely the best place uh, for something like this. So I did some online searching and I found a woman who does tantric massage and I booked an appointment with her. And, um, and I, you know, I said right up front with her, I think I'm broken. I think there's there may be something wrong with my nervous system or with my nerve endings or something because I don't have sensation. And she was like, yeah, I don't think that's what it is, but you know, let's do the appointment and we'll see. And we did the appointment, which um, included a lot of brushing, a lot of stroking, a lot of, a lot of the kind of touch that I didn't even know I was allowed to ask for but that is the kind of touch that really turns me on. And what I had mostly experienced from my partners in the past was a lot of grabby, thrusty touch, Mm -hmm. which does absolutely nothing for me. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so I'm laying there on her table and she's brushing my skin and she's stroking my skin and I'm getting turned on. And I'm like, what is this magic? (laughs) Like, oh, I am able to feel something. I was just getting the wrong kind of touch for my body and thinking that it was my problem, thinking Mm -hmm. that I was the broken one. Mm -hmm. And so we sat down at the end of that appointment and she said, "Um, you're not broken, which were four of the most important words I'd ever heard. And she explained to me that, you know, she, because she's, she's well-versed in this. She's well-trained. She's watched a lot of people's bodies. And so she understands what the turn-on cycle looks like and Mm -hmm. what the orgasm cycle looks like and all of these things. Mm -hmm. And she said, your body goes through all of the processes I would expect to see in someone who is getting turned on. And I, in fact, I did have an orgasm it was not an expectation or, you know, a requirement, but it, it ended up happening. Um, she said, I, I watched you go through all the phases. So I can tell you very certainly with, with great certitude that you are not broken, Mm -hmm. but there is still some emotional blockage. There's still some stuff going on in your brain that's blocking you from actually experiencing the pleasure. Mm-hmm. And so that gets to be your next assignment, go out into the world and have some experiences where you actually chase pleasure. Those aren't the words she used. but um, <laughs> And so I did, I traveled around the country 
um, doing a lot of sightseeing and, you know, like doing the things you do when you travel, but I was sort of laser focused on, okay, I'm in Washington, DC. I know I'm going to spend two weeks here. So let me turn on the dating apps and see if I can find somebody and going out on dates and experiencing people telling me that I was attractive, which was really confusing for me mm. for a while. Mm -hmm. But what happened is, now this is another reason why I think that people who say nobody can love you until you can love yourself first, I'm that makes me so angry when I hear it. Mm -hmm. Because I was told by my father that I was fat and ugly and unlovable. Mm. Where in the world am I supposed to have the grand realization suddenly that I am lovable and attractive? Like right. that is, there's a level of trauma that goes with that, that it is unreasonable to expect a person to work through on their own. Mm -hmm. What helped me was being, and I understand that not everyone's going to do this kind of thing, <laughs> but what helped me was being with different people in different places around the country. So I literally knew they had no connection to each other. They had, there was no common script they were all working with. Right. And right. yet they were all saying the same things to me. Mm -hmm. I love your butt. I, you know, your skin is so soft. I love your boobs. Um, like, I really enjoy kissing you. All of these things that began to, over the months, to really rewire my brain and yeah. create new neural pathways that began to help me say, okay, maybe I am. I, and I can tell you, I still don't see myself as attractive. Mm. But I have gotten to the place where I can believe that other people believe it. And that, you know, going back to the conversation about, um, can you bring your partner into this process of, of healing your body image? Th I think that's a crucial yeah. intermediate step right. is not that, okay, you tell me I'm beautiful. And so I believe you No, that is an impossible leap to make. Right. But to say, you believe I'm beautiful, or you're saying that I'm beautiful, mm -hmm. I'm going to choose to believe that yeah. you believe it, mm -hmm. that you're not yeah. lying to me. I am going to choose to believe that you believe it. Yeah. And maybe someday I will come to believe it myself too. But that interim step is crucial. It's so important. It's so important. I actually, uh, I actually, feel like I've, I've had a lot of, um, that same process in not, mm -hmm. not a lot of the same process, but before I never thought I was that pretty. Yeah. And then it was after, I guess my husband kept telling me that yeah. gave me the strength and courage to feel that way. You know, mm -hmm. it's just, it's, it is, it is a, it is a process. Of course, everyone's process is different. Um, yeah. but I, I, I do feel that I, I, it actually resonates and I feel like that could also resonate with a lot of listeners. So just, yeah, I hope so. Yeah. I love that. So on that <laughs> note, everybody out there, let your partners tell you you're beautiful and believe them. Yes, please, please give them. yourself permission to believe them. Yes. Oh my gosh. I love that. I feel all, <laughs> all fuzzy inside. So thank you so Yay. much 
for being on the show today. Um, how can our listeners find you? It's absolutely my pleasure. Um, so my podcast is Good Girls Talk About Sex, where I interview women about their sex lives. And you have um, a beautiful voice, by the way. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, and so it, it, these are literally the conversations that I wanted to be having, but I was so repressed that I couldn't have them. And so now I get to have them. Um, I interview women, just regular women. This is not an expert show telling you how to have sex. This is just listening to other women talk about their sex lives. So that's called Good Girls Talk About Sex on all the major podcast platforms. Wonderful. Um, and you can find me for coaching and, you know, other th speaking and other things at leahcarry.com. And I'm on Instagram and YouTube at Good Girls Talk. Awesome. And guys, don't forget to follow if you haven't already. I, uh, Kung Fu Mama Show at IG, Facebook, and Starring Sarah Chang YouTube. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you. 